worship and praise. Um, what a wonderful day it is for all of us. Uh, I, I am Preston Pitts. I'm an elder here at Common Ground, and I am honored uh, to lead us into the Word of God today. And I'm also honored that we're in the midst of this series, I'm very excited about it, a God's view about current events. And today we're going to talk about anxiety and how we as God people are to respond with the anxiety that's being created. And uh, as I was getting started on this, I, I, uh, I probably did something that I almost regretted. I was sitting there going, okay, I'm going to be talking about anxiety. Let me get a little deeper into what's going on in our, in our country, in our world. And I'm like, oh, man. So today I thought, how do I start out? And it's kind of that analogy, you know, you just take the Band-Aid and you rip it off. Or you're going to, you know, there's cold water and you're going to jump in, just go in with both feet. So I decided there's no really easy way to get into this other than just get into it. And so with that, I want you to just kind of hold on to your seat for a second because I'm just going to review things with you. And what I want to say is you sit out there and you look at the world and what do we see? We see businesses closing. We see people losing their jobs. We see uh, people that are, um, are frustrated. We see that people are um, looking at our political environment and the divisiveness that's going on. We look at our cities across the country and there's violence that's coming out of them. And then we look and we see COVID. People are afraid they're gonna catch COVID. That leads to isolation. Isolation means that I'm really away from my friends, my family, and my church family. And so the natural result to that and the natural response is fear, anxiety, discouragement, and um, even to the point where you may be mistrusting God. And so it leads to a really bad place. And what we're going to talk about, and the exciting thing for us today is God's word tells us how to respond. And I'm going to tell you what God says about how we as God's people are to respond to all that. And the way he says to respond is rejoice. To be joyful, to find joy in the midst of everything that's going on. And I'll tell you my words to myself. Maybe this is what you're saying. I go, Preston, that's not a natural response. That is like, how can I be having joy in the midst of all this chaos and uncertainty that's going on and the instability? How can I be joyful about that? And the exciting part for us today is when we go into God's words today, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, we're going to see how God tells us, I'm going to get you from anxiety and fear and worry to joy and peace. And it's a remarkable thing what we're going to see. So the natural reaction is fear. God tells us to rejoice. And you're telling me that's not a natural response, and I'm going to say, you are correct. That is not the natural response. It's a supernatural response. And we are supernatural people. 
We are God's people. Only God can get us from worry and anxiety to peace and joy. So let's go through that path together. It's an exciting one. And, and I tell you, I, I just get exuberant when I've gone through And I've gone through these scriptures before. But the revelation that comes out of it is just quite exciting for all of us, especially at this time. So with that, let's go into the scripture Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And I'm going to read it to us. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, a couple of things. And one, the context in which this is written is Paul is writing to the Philippians, but he's in prison. And he's under a death threat. Paul is also aware of the many disciples that he has, that he's already been discipling, or people that he's discipled, and the churches that he started, they're under persecution, and they're under great challenges. So he's aware of all that as he's writing to the Philippians. But what does he do? He says, in spite of all those things, I'm rejoicing, and I want you to rejoice. So why is that? So a couple of things, when we talk about rejoicing... One is that rejoice in the Lord always. First, he's telling us to be joyful. And as we talked about, first, it's a command. So this is a command to us to be joyful. And I go, another one of those kind of confusing comments to me that I have to digest. Okay, I'm going to be joyful. It doesn't work well. So what is Paul telling us? He's not telling us to manufacture joy. What he's telling us is go to the source of joy. And he's directing us away from ourself and our circumstances to draw to Jesus. And be joyful is what we are being commanded to do. And the source of that joy is Jesus. And another thing for us to kind of be mindful of is that when we go through this study, there are a couple of things that I want you to be grounded on. And one is the reminder that we are spiritual people. We're not, uh, we're not just normal people. We're, we're abnormal. We're spiritual. <clears throat> and what that means is that when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in us, and when he resides in us, he equips us to do things that we may think are impossible, like being joyful in the face of adversity. The other thing that I want to make sure that we're reminded of is Jesus said these words to us in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I, want you, I give you life, but I give you life abundantly. So we as believers are called to have an abundant life. And if you can put it back up, Henry Blackaby 
um, really captured this to me. And he says, the life that Christ offers us is not a mundane existence, but an ongoing, vibrant, dynamic, and joyful experience. Life is available to all, but abundant life comes only through Jesus. So we're called to have an abundant life, even in the midst of all these circumstances and this adversity that we're going through. So when Paul tells us to be joyful, he's saying, go to the source of joy. <clears throat> and Jesus reminded us in John chapter 15, I leave you my joy. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that you may be full of joy. And he's telling us, this is my joy. This joy is not um, subject to circumstances. I'm, in, through the Holy Spirit, imparting this joy to you. And this joy is to be taken and received, and it will begin to equip you to get away from your circumstances and to focus on me. And the beauty of that is that through, God, through Jesus' joy, it prepares our heart for prayer and prepares for us to be changed. And it also gives us strength. When you actually look, and we remember the study of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah, the people were, were, were mourning because of the sins that they understood that they had been committing. But Ezra and Nehemiah said to them, wait, don't quit mourning. You need to get through that. You need to realize that the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when we receive the joy that Paul is talking about here, we are strengthened. And we begin to get on this journey that he's going to take us through. These four verses should be taken in total. Each one kind of builds on itself. But we're going to focus really on, on verse 6 mostly. But the other ones are really important. Getting Jesus' joy is extremely important and is foundational for us to transition from looking at ourselves and our circumstances to looking in, at God and being dependent on him and receiving his power and might. Verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, I used to read this scripture a lot. I have to admit, I used to skip over verse 5 because I didn't really understand what it meant. I was like, well, that's a nice thought. But I will tell you after, and that's the beauty of studying things, is I have learned this is a really important verse. And what, what the reason is, and I guess I didn't understand it to begin with, is that when we say the word gentleness here, and I think in the SV it's uh, another word, but it's uh, similar, a reasonableness, I think. And, and what it's really saying is, when you go to the Greek, that, that word cannot, the, the Greek word is not captured in the English language by one word. What it really means is grace, mercy, kindness, being generous to other people, thinking more of others in yourself. It goes hand in hand with what Pastor Paul was teaching about the Good Samaritan. And that we should be compassionate, get outside of ourselves, and treat people in a wonderful way. Now, why is this so important? Think about what's happening. Our focus is on our circumstances, our situation. We're discouraged. We've now been led to receive the joy of Christ. Now we're being led to say, and this is really what Paul's saying, you, just, you have the joy of Christ in you. 
When you look at other people, share that joy. Bless people because you have the joy of Christ in you. And I'm sorry, pointing here. <laughs> it's excitement point. It's not a condemning point. Uh, it, it's um, this joy and and, and this power that we have is in this unprecedented time is we're going to stand out by like salt and light because why we have the joy of the Lord in us and we're supposed to share it we're supposed to bless other people think about that in these times we're a blessing we're an encouragement that's in great contrast to so many people that are depressed discouraged and and, and really not knowing how to cope with everything but us, we're going to stand out. This is a great time to help and encourage others. This is also a great time to witness to non-believers. So what a, a wonderful thing this is. And the beauty to us is we just got led one more level away from ourselves and our situations are what's been blown up in our mind about things going haywire to now thinking of Jesus and the joy of him and thinking of others. So Paul is transitioning us to a wonderful place, a place where we can be used by God to help progress the kingdom of God. So now we get into verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. And anxiousness is an interesting word. Anxious is really saying, you know, you, you have a heightened level of worry. You have fear. You have cares, but they're, un, they're, they're magnified cares. They're way out of control. So it's when, we, when he talks about being anxious, there are a couple of things to pause on. Anxious means we're worried and we're, we're just distressed over everything going on. And part of that comes from our mind. We start blowing things out of proportion. And he's saying, don't be anxious. Jesus actually preaches a lot on don't be worried, don't be anxious. His bottom line comment is, it's useless. You are powerless. All those things I talked about, can we do anything about them? No. But when we worry and we're anxious, it is really, not only is it useless, it's harmful to us. How is it harmful? It keeps us into ourself. We actually get to a point of self-pity, and it's a terrible place to be. The further you get away from God and into self, the further and the more, less likely you are to turn and find the joy and the peace that we're talking about today. So he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. It's actually harmful to you. And one other way it's harmful is it destroys our witness. And I'm going to ask each of you not to talk to Linda Pitts after this because it's amazing. But as I got this assignment about anxiety, I can't tell you all the things that came into my life that made me anxious. So it was, and so what happens when you're anxious? You become a not nice person. You're temperamental. You're impatient. You let your emotions control you and rule over you. So you're tossed back and forth. Um, you actually speak negative, not encouragement and life and hope. So 
I would say to each one of you and, and us and myself, if you're experiencing any of those things, realize anxiety, anxiousness, all of these circumstances are coming upon you and taking you away from your relationship with the Lord. So when we get into prayer, remember that. Pray about those things that make you anxious or worry because that leads you to a really bad place. So he's telling us, don't go there. Be anxious for nothing. And then in the next one, it's a kind of a repeat, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Everything. What is everything? I'll tell you the best way to describe it so it becomes meaningful to you. Anything that makes you worry, causes anxiety, or fear is something you're to take to God. So remember that. If you're in fear or anxiety, your first response should be prayer, which is where he's going. And it's not just the big things. He's not saying everything that overwhelms you take to me. It's everything that causes you to be in fear. And so that's a really profound statement because what it does is it makes it personal to you. I have fears that you may not have. I have things that cause me to be anxious that you may not. It's personal to you. God is saying on a personal level, give me your cares. And one of those cares would be that you need to find a Kleenex that's in your, deep in your pocket somewhere that you know you have. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but, um, there, thank you, sorry. Um, so what he's really telling us is don't get in fear and worry. Your first response is prayer. So now he takes us into prayer. And prayer is essential. So remember, what we're doing is God is taking us from fear, worry, care, anxiety, to peace and joy. We're already experiencing the joy part. We see it trans transforming our life. Now we're into prayer. Prayer is, it, prayer engages the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Prayer, we're able to get into the presence of God. Remember, that was one of the, Jesus sacrificed so much, and one of the outcomes of that was we're able to go into the presence of God. So through prayer, we're in the presence of God. There we can be transformed. There we can receive his will. There we can have great understanding and wisdom. All of those things are imparted to us with prayer. So don't diminish prayer. I know prayer can be overused sometimes. We take it casually. It's significant. And then here, he's telling us specifically how to pray. He's telling us supplication. Supplication means cry out. Give it all to him. Be fervent and be specific and authentic. And he's saying, when you do that, you are releasing these things to me. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 5, 7. And 1 Peter 5, 7 essentially says, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Pause on that. Do you believe that? Do you believe God cares for you? And do you believe that when you give him all your cares, your worries, the things that make you anxious, do you believe he will help you with that and take you through it? If you believe it, 
That's what he's saying here. Give those to me. I will take those cares from you and release them to me. Don't take them back. Release them. That's one of my faults. I release them, and tomorrow I'm like, oh, my golly, I've got it right back. How did that jump on me again? So it's a really big deal to give him all of those cares. And then we add the word thanksgiving. So think about this prayer process when you're anxious and worried. It's get in the presence of God, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. We give him specific cares and we do so fervently. And then we also have a heart of thanksgiving that reminds us we're in the presence of God. God, as we, read, as we heard in these songs, God can accomplish anything. We begin to have understanding with thanksgiving that we're, inter- we're humble, we're before God, and he, God will take care of us, and that he can accomplish anything. And the other thing that kind of comes to my mind in that part is his power is so great and mighty that he can handle anything at the largest scale. But his love and kindness toward us is so wonderful, even the smallest things he's concerned about. He is a loving God, so keep a right perspective. So therefore, when we come with thanksgiving, we're recognizing he's a loving, caring God and that he wants us to be intimate with him and he will respond. Um, One of my other favorite verses, and I didn't give you this one, I just want to read it. It's Psalm 34. And it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Now think about that for a second. The righteous cry out. So we're calling out that supplication. We're doing so with a genuine heart. And the God hears us. So don't think we have a far-off God. He hears our requests. And then he delivers this in out of all of our troubles. Doesn't mean we will not have trouble, but it is reminding us he will be with us to get us through the trouble. So as we're always being reminded to go back to God. And then here's the beauty of all this in verse 7. And that is, what's the promise? When, I go, when we go to God and give him all of our cares... When we do so with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, what's the promise? That we will receive his peace. And this peace that we get, this peace is Jesus' peace. Jesus told us also in John 14, I give you my peace. And in that peace, we will see that Jesus also reminds us, you take my peace on. I give it to you, and then you will not be fearful. And so don't be troubled, neither be afraid, because I give you my peace. So partly we're saying, as we, as we do this, we receive the peace of God. So we have the joy of God, we have the peace of God. Think how much we're changed when this happens. When we go through this with... We are a changed people. The circumstances are still there, but we have God's perspective on it. So as as we close this morning, I want you to remember 
that this is a process. These four things that we just went through, these four verses. God says, go through this with me. I will, at the end of it, you'll have my joy, you'll have my peace. You'll be salt and light to other people. So my challenge to you today is that you would pray and give God your cares and your worries. Because, you know, we have these prayer walls up here that you can put those prayer requests in. Ask God to take them away. Give them to him. Do you believe it? Do you believe he cares? Do you believe he'll take them? And so I encourage you to do that today, is to turn over those cares. We're, as a church, we always talk about experiencing God. We want you to experience God. So a lot of what we heard today is intellectual, but when you get out of here, practice this. I wrote another verse, which is Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who takes refuge in him. Taste and see is good. I mean, try him out. Believe what we just read here today and experience it. Go through it with him. You will find God is good and faithful, and you will be blessed. So anyway, that is the message today. I hope that it hits your heart. And so why don't we close in prayer? Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you that your word is life and spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you care so much for us. You show us how to deal with the things of this world, the things that are meant to overwhelm us, the things that are meant to deceive us, the things that are meant to for help to cause us to forget you. Instead, Father, you remind us, draw close to you, draw unto you, you care for us, you will get us through the trouble, and you will use us in a mighty way for your kingdom. Bless these words into our heart, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.